This is the Nomad Podcast with your host, The Viper. guys it's viking here back with very special guests this week actually we have sean arbuthnot a name many of you have heard me confuse in the last couple weeks but sean buddy tell us a little bit about yourself um so i'm sean and i've I've probably been in airsoft for about 20 years now uh and i i run black line black line that's a massive name in ontario airsoft probably one of the most intimidating things for uh, airsoft players to hear about you know you hear about mill sims and how intense and hardcore it is and then there's this step above what we call mill sim in ontario and that is black line <laughs> um, uh, it's nice things to say <laughs> it's, well all, all of us no I, I mean obviously maybe coming from the creator like yourself's point of view it might not be as in intense as some of us see it as you know like not too many years ago i was a walk-on airsoft player with a condor vest and and now i'm you know talking to the the high up guy of this the, the pinnacle of airsoft badassery as i called it a little bit earlier um What's a, a brief description, before we get into it too much, of what Blackline is? So the best description I can give you is that it is a, a tactical and espionage sort of simulation, right? It, it blends a bunch of different uh, Cold War spycraft with uh, direct action and reconnaissance sort of activities, and we usually have a, a sort of an arcing storyline in the background that gives some context and some structure. And it is a a one-off pass-fail exercise. There are no do-overs in in a black line operation. So, how how do you say that sentence or paragraph, and then not also be like, oh yeah, it's like the most badass fucking thing. Like the way you explain that, (laughs) like like we, 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 sorry to cut you off there, but like we have this thing where we go out and play Millsums and we flip flags every now and then and you're breaking into this and like, oh, it's, you know, it's whatever, but we're Cold War espionage, one-off, blah, blah, blah. Um, it's, it's, so there's just, there's a, a bunch of brands of Airsoft, right? I think everyone plays Airsoft a little differently. I don't think there's a wrong way. To, to play airsoft and flipping flags and having uh, you know point systems is totally valid like that's a that's a legit game that's good um, but there's there's a group of people who sort of want more and they they want to be challenged in a way that is is not just a a simple shooting based skill set they they want to put their skills to a test in a way that has real consequences and that's I think that's kind of what we're giving people right now. Yeah, it's it's huge to have that next step in the community. Like uh, we we'd kind of previously 
previously discussed um, before this is like, so Nomad kind of started out as that quote unquote beer league airsoft. And we ourselves are finding that we're reaching that point where we're looking to move into more, more serious sides of things like this past nightfall, uh, brief word on that was probably the best nightfall I've ever played best nightfall the team's ever played as a team but I'm pretty sure it's the first Milson we ever played where we didn't get bombed the night before it and uh we played phenomenal <laughs> and so now that we kind of had that taste and we're like oh okay so there might be a little bit we we kind of do enjoy the more serious side of airsoft and then having blackline there as that next step after is just something great for all new players to get to look forward to. It's so you mentioned the new players and the, you know, teams have been around a while like you guys. And I, it seems to me that there's a, there's sort of evolution that happens or sort of a, a, a back and forth amongst these different flavors. And what, I, what we're finding is a lot of the guys that have been around for a long time, you know, 10, 15 years, they just got tired of doing flag flipping and they wanted something more substantial and that's this seems to be gathering those people but at the same time we've got people who've come in and only been playing airsoft for four or five months and they've got this the mentality that same mentality where simulation they really want to go serious with their simulation and that's we're attracting those guys too so it's it's interesting to see you know to your point your your arc of how you guys have been playing and the things you've been interested in and now you're you know maybe starting to consider some some more high intensity stuff and that's i guess that's what we're here for yeah, that's you know you've provided a, a service for the community, something more to look forward to. I guess the only not not at all that it's a, a downside to the black line events, but it's the same way that there's somewhat of a segregation between like walk on players and Milsim players, and it's like not that they look down on each other, or whatever. But like oh, you just play walk ons, I play Milsims, and then now there's this like higher power of like oh you guys play milsims well we're black line players yeah i don't i mean there's there's this stratification i don't really like it because I, I honestly think that it's it's just in the interest of people individually uh draws them to different things and we have guys that will will come out to our events and spend you know four days living in a on a hole we dug and then the next week go play icebreaker like yeah. there's no, these are, it's just a different type of thing they want. And there is no stratification for, you know, walk on versus Milsim versus it just, this is a specific flavor people like. And it's only, I tell people it's only about five or 10% of the airsoft community will never be, will never have a 400 person nightfall game. It just won't be that big because yep. there's a very, it doesn't appeal to everybody, right? To your point, it's a sort of very niche sort of thing. Yep. Well, that's. You know, like I said, it's awesome to have there. And I know, obviously, it's not everyone in the Blackline community that kind of has that that mindset of looking down on players that don't do it. Um, a lot of my really good friends are part of Blackline. Uh, Chomps and Tony are two of my best friends. Um, the Voodoo One guys I know are part of that. They're amazing players themselves. Um, so kind yeah. of... Sorry. We, I, yeah, I just don't want to... I want to make sure that we clear like there's no there's no looking down mm. like it really is like when everyone when come, people come to black line it really is they are there for the mission and they recognize that as a separate entity from all the other things they do yeah. so like i said same guys will go out and, and drink a beer and get wasted and then play a game the next day totally fine 
but then they when they come to black line there's no looking down on anybody it's just no. that's the one thing they're there to do no i've heard yeah i've heard nothing but great things about the community now uh like i had another major player in black line uh michael bright on not too long ago he he's another guy that i've uh built a great relationship with over the past couple months since i've kind of got to know him a little bit more but it uh it kind of brings it back around to what was the reason behind you creating Blackline, and how did it kind of come to? So I started playing at a friend's farm field in 98, I think, or like 2000. And that was exactly what you would expect when you start an airsoft, right? You and eight other buddies have a piece of woodland to run around, play straight elimination games. And as my career continued, more things, you know, I, I started finding myself uh, gravitating towards uh, Vietnam era airsoft. Okay. So I collected a bunch of really specific equipment there. And then I kind of left airsoft for a bit. I did specifically Vietnam reenacting. So we had a group of about 20 guys that would go to events. Uh, we had, you know, rode around in the M113 personnel carriers. We flew in a Huey once, like really cool shit. Um, but then I came back. There was an event at PRZ maybe, I guess, 2016, 2015, 2016. And, you know, having come out of this hyper-realistic, realism-based environment in reenacting, uh, you know, I was picking up envelopes with the word Intel on them, and that was, that was the, that was it. And that was sort of the mission. And I was like, well, this is, you know, we can do better than this. And at the same time, we had, we had teams who, there was a, you know, across the teams that I was commanding at the time, there was such a huge gap in skills, right? Some guys were really switched on, other guys weren't. Some guys were lead, were led well, other guys weren't. And it was such a mix that there was, it was hard to, to really accomplish a, a complex mission. And so after that, I walked away and I thought there has to be a, a better way to do that. And so... I started thinking about a skills-based sort of activity. I started thinking about how to make missions really mean something and really count, and that you could only do it once. You couldn't get a, a respawn and come back. That mm -hmm. if you you screwed up, you really screwed up. And I think that's our first event had I think a total of eight people in it. It was really small, um, but it was, you know. They they will tell you today that was one of the best airsoft games they've ever been to, and. One of the quotes that I heard from one of the guys was that that is he's been in airsoft for 15 years and he finally found like, he's been waiting for that for 15 years, and so I knew we were onto something. And ever since, it's just been this dedication to create these sort of really realistic, you know, one-off events. Yeah, I've, I've never heard a single negative thing about the actual events you guys host. All I ever hear is how incredible they are and just like the the dynamic of it and the amount of preparation that goes into each games and the way that they're run um the other thing that i really like about it is because it's such a it's, it's not a closed off group like obviously it's a very inviting group because it is such a smaller group of guys everyone that's there has the same mentality and you you know there's not like people like in normal mill sims where there's like certain groups of cheaters and bad people with bad attitudes like people like in black line those people are kind of kind of pushed out relatively quickly. So, you know, when you're there playing, you're playing with a lot of like-minded individuals. So that's, the like-mindedness is really important. Um, we, I think this, I think Blackline is, 
is benefiting from the same thing all small events do and small communities do, which is that you have a bunch of people who know each other well. Uh, you know that there's no malice when people do things. You, you know, there's no reason to cheat because you recognize that that guy over there has worked really hard to do what he's doing, and so that you know it's not worth cheating. Yeah. Um, but that that mindset also carries over to dedication. I will happily tell people that our dropout rate is about one percent, which is. I don't think there's an airsoft event out there these days that can claim they have a one percent dropout rate no. over the two or three days they run them. No, there's uh, it, and it kind of comes with that idea of like the goal you guys are trying to achieve in it, and that like like-minded um, community, if you would, because with with a lot of just very open mill sims, players don't have the same. I don't know, like uh, drive for the camaraderie of it, so they don't care if they drop out at a game at two o'clock. Whereas, yes. what, what you guys have created is like the only way I can really think of it is like the the camaraderie of it is like you're completing something together that is so finite and, and objective based that a player dropping out could mean it ruins the whole thing for everyone else there. Yeah, so it's it's two pieces. Um, the first piece is that there is a mission first mentality, right? And that people are, are coming because they want to do that thing. Um, and that's, that's a really powerful drive to begin with. There's a, a great book called The Mission, The Men and Me, uh, by Pete Blaber, he, or Blaber. He's, uh, I think he was old Delta Force commander, but there's a lot of principles out of that book that drive the black line sort of experience. So that's a really good one to read. Um, but the other piece, the other piece aside from this mission first thing, is is setting expectations. I think a lot of milsim events don't clearly outline what exactly you're getting into, and so people come with different expectations of what the event should be, and that's where when you mix people who've come for uh, you know a meat grinding shoot 'em up and guys who've come for a serious mission, that's where you get these, this friction and the stuff that doesn't work well or the games that don't go well because people have come for different things or expecting different things out of the event. I think it's really important to lay out those expectations right up front and be really explicit about them. And I think when you get people who've bought into that, that's where the other part of that mentality comes from. Yeah, and like so, not so much this year. I've, I've commanded a few games this year, but last year I actually commanded almost, I'd say about eighty percent of the milsims in Ontario. I commanded last year, the the major ones, um, and uh, the huge thing that I notice is when it comes to players on the field, it almost has nothing to do with how good people are at gunfighting and stuff like that. It's the players that have the mindset to stay on the field and complete an objective. I, I'd rather have t 10 new or a new brand new team that has less to no experience, but the mindset to stay on a field and hold an objective than a very experienced team that decides uh, I'm not having fun at two o'clock. So they go home. So that's a, that's a really complex. So you're right. I agree with you. And I think there's a lot of complex stuff that happens mentally that, that makes that work or not work. Um, one of the things that we are really proud of is that everything has a purpose, right? So, you know, at an event, they say, well, go over there and hold that building because that's the mission. 
and that's fine. And you know, you'll get a dedicated team of ten new guys who are really mission first, and they'll go and they'll do that. But you will get a much better buy-in if they know why they're doing it. Right. And so, it, with the events that we run, that's the we they're planning these events. So it's not that I've told them go hold that building. Some group of guys have determined that that building is a key piece in a strategy and have then communicated that to people. So one of the best examples we had was we had, uh, when we did our first uh, abduction mission out of PRZ, that was where we had one guy, uh, we'd arranged with him in advance that anywhere inside Prince Edward County was fair game. And we said, you're going to get abducted. He bought into that, so great. But we had a team that we dropped off uh, and we said, look, your mission is to go out into the forest south of PRZ. We'd rented the entire forest around we the airfield and everything. I said, go and find an escape route for us if our primary route is blocked. And if, because if we need to leave and we can't go at the front door, we got to go another route. So you have to find it. So it was the middle of the night and they, we dropped them off and they ended up immediately in waist deep water. And they spent the next two hours wandering through the forest south of PRZ trying to find an escape route, and they plotted it out for us. And I don't think you would get an average airsofter willing to just walk in the woods in the dark and waste deep water for nothing. They had a purpose, and they understood the value of it and why it was important, and that's what drove them to go do that mission. Oh, that's... that's honestly, I... Every sentence you've said it, every time makes me just feel relatively silly for not uh, I know we've been in contact quite a few times I've been in contact with uh, the black line guys uh, a lot uh, quite a bit like every every player I've talked to that's involved is like Mitch you gotta come try this and I've always been either too busy or I'm like oh I don't know if it will kind of like be my thing but one of my my major issues with getting into it was I didn't really know if the quality of gear and stuff I had was going to be adequate for what you guys are trying to accomplish. So like what, and now obviously I know a lot better because I've had, like I said, uh, conversations with Michael Bright and a lot of your other uh, players, but what do players need to get involved with Blackline? So this is probably one of the biggest barriers that I encounter getting people involved is they don't feel prepared. They feel, I don't have the right kit. I can't, I can't go. And my answer is, it depends a lot on what you want to do. So if I can give someone a job and all they have to do is have an internet connection, and I think that is a pretty low bar to get involved with Blackline. Um, alternatively, you might need a pair of iPro and you can do work. Um, the, the, the thing that's important is what kind of kit will matter more for very specific missions, right? If you're going to be sent on a two-day or three-day recon and your job is not to get found, you may have to have things like a ghillie suit or, you know, some, some little background and some in camouflage and concealment. But you could also help assault a building with your Condor plate carrier. There's no restrictions on that. Right. I, what's what's important is not what you have, but that it has to work. Because I said before, the, the missions are one-off. So if your gear doesn't hold magazines properly, and you lose a magazine, and we don't resupply you in the field, you've just lost a quarter of your ammo because you have bad gear. So as long as the gear works, 
and it reasonably matches what we're doing. I mean, we might have multicam as a standard camouflage, right? As long as you're generally matching, then you're fine. You can participate with literally almost nothing. Yeah, and I think that's kind of what a lot of the barrier is between a lot of newer or even experienced players getting involved. And it was definitely something for me that I, I was kind of standoffish on is I don't want to be that guy that shows up to this super badass game and I'm rocking a, a shadow strategic plate carrier and all the other guys are wearing their, you know, Haley strategic different, you know, or spiritus chest rigs. And I'm like, oh, cool. So I'm the noob here. No, um, no, I think it I doesn't think... doesn't matter. It doesn't matter as long as it works. That's literally so keep in mind, right, that because it's one off. If your comms fail, if your mags fall out, if you if you lose your pistol, if your if your gun doesn't work, like that is a, a mission critical failure. It isn't to go back to the car and and you know fix your gun or borrow a mag from somebody if you have a different magazine. Like it has to work. It has right. to work. And you you actually know if you've been out playing airsoft, you know if your gear works or not. Oh, yeah. You know if you have comms problems. So if it works and it is meets what needs what's what the need is for that mission. Yeah, you can bring anything. And if anyone, no one should be looking down on you. Everyone's a little bit of a gear whore anyway, so everyone yeah. will kind of be interested in what you're wearing. But it, no one's going to judge you on the fact that you are wearing a Shadow Strategic over no, some right. cry-precision air light, yeah. right? Exactly. And I think that's just one of the, the things that uh, hopefully, like the, the end goal of this podcast we're doing right now is to get that message out to the people that are maybe thinking that they want to try this, but maybe they think their, their gear's a little bit lower end and i'm i'm a big advocate of i like i understand the people that want to buy real steel stuff for playing airsoft stuff like that but uh, i'm like i said a pretty big advocate of emerson gear makes amazing knockoffs of different stuff and i know that there's players out there that don't want to go spend four hundred dollars for a chest rig right so hopefully the players listening to this that do have the the knockoff gear or the lower end gear know that they can get involved with black line and won't be I don't know, not not segregated but won't be like looked down upon yeah your mentality is is a million times more valuable than the label on your plate carrier well that's that's good to hear because um i was like that that's been my biggest holdback from it uh, there's been multiple events that I've been invited to and stuff like that. And the biggest thing holding me back was, you know, not, not wanting to be that guy that shows up in, you know, the brand, like the, the newbie gear, not that, you know, it, the, the mindset kind of hits us all. Sometimes you never want to be that guy. That's the low end guy. Right. I mean, it, again, I'm like, I like my gear, but I, I'm not going to look down on you if you're wearing condor. Right? If it's working, it's fine. I mean, make an effort in the sense that if everyone's wearing multicam, you don't show up in yeah, black. Yeah, right? exactly. Col but, colors make sense, but there's there's all sorts yeah. of different brands that make multicam. 100%. Yeah. Oh, what, a, what a perfect segue to me opening a beer. <laughs> so you've kind of described like the, the mentality that goes into uh, Blackline. We really talked about the group of guys and and how mission mindset is so important, but what are some skills that are important going into a black line event? So this is a, this is something we're still struggling with and we're, we're working on. Um, so 
everyone wants to do the really cool special forces operator stuff and no one wants to do basic infantry stuff and i get it right breaching a door is really cool uh but have you learned how to pack your bag have you learned how to do a section attack have you learned some of these really fundamentals so we are trying to standardize some of the approach to these things because the basic infantry stuff of how to patrol, how to walk, how to pack, what to pack, those skills are, are necessary and they're not really taught in Airsoft. Um, and then the next level up beyond that, of course, is you start talking about communications and, and the roles that, that go with that and uh, breaching, clearing, um, you know, greenside work, all that stuff is important. Um, but it's, it's something that we're trying to, like a line, because everyone's got different levels of experience, right? right? So it's, um, yeah, so <laughs> you're looking for a you... specific set of skills. I think, well, no, I think not... the skills we can teach, right? But yeah, yeah. with well, kind of the direction I was going with that was I know you guys do specific courses or like an event in preparation for your larger events that have like a prerequisite almost right um, now with those um for for maybe anybody that hasn't done black line before or maybe hadn't possibly heard of it what what is the importance of that prerequisite course going into oh that? i see and who who is it that actually teaches these courses like i know a lot of people from the outside look at it as like is it just random airsofters teaching people how to do things or is there actual members of certain communities teaching things sure so um the you know we talk about doing really interesting things and how you can't do those things uh if you're going to you know don't have some basic skill sets so the the prerequisite events are designed to give people an opportunity to practice certain sets of skills. They're not necessarily instruction, they're more repetition. So uh, we, you know, before COVID hit, we had a, a, an event booked in at Flagriers in Kitchener, and the intent was we are going to raid a building four times, and we're going to look at different plans, and we're going to try different things and give people different activities to do when they do it, so that people become familiar with not just clearing rooms, but actually approaching the building and what are the roles that need to be in place. So the, the prerequisite events are kind of built around that concept. You know, let's, if we're going to have an event later in the year that's an actual operation where it really matters, let's take pieces and get people familiar with those concepts in advance. Um, so then the other thing you mentioned was the training piece. So airsofters are really interesting in that they are very happy to spend $10,000 on their helmet and want to spend $50 learning anything from anybody. Right. Uh, and so it's, we've, we've brought in professionals before we did a, a close protection class where we brought in uh, a, a professional company that does training. They built a specific course for us because you can't learn close protection in a day, but we're going to try. And that was, that was like 200 bucks, $250 per person. And you look at an airsofter who won't even spend hundred dollars on a game. Right. Um, but that skill set then gives that group of people, I could give that group of people an actual close protection detail in downtown Toronto and they would know what to do. Right. right? I can, the game becomes more interesting because people have those skills. Yeah. The, the idea behind it and actually that, uh, that close protection 
uh, course was one of the exact ones that I was talking about because that was that was around the time that I was first getting introduced to the idea of um, black line. I thought mm-hmm. it was the coolest thing. Well, that was last year, wasn't it? Or was it two years? I think it was. Might have been two. Might have been two. Um, might have been. And uh, I heard about it. And I was like, that's cool. And But I never looked too far into it. So I didn't really know. I was like, was there a group of professionals coming into it? Or was it the kind of thing that, you know, you're showing up and other airsoft, teacher, or airsoft people are just teaching you shit they saw on YouTube kind of thing, right? Because that's the kind of... that's being like a consumer or someone that will come to the game, that's kind of the questions you might ask going into it, right? Yeah, so kind of go back to that that price problem, right? So airsofters will often ask, oh, what's the experience of this guy teaching this course? And when the person is really well experienced, it's usually expensive, and then they don't want to go. But then if you have a non-experienced person uh, they're not interested either, right? The price is right, but the person doesn't have the experience. The other thing to consider, too, is that for what we do, we are all amateurs, everybody, right? Do you need professional-level instruction on how to do something? Or is an experienced airsoft or someone who has a lot of familiarity in a specific thing actually enough? Keeping in mind that the reality is you're not... We're never going to do... Uh, close protection detail where someone's life is actually at risk. Right. So could could we now use the people we've trained to teach an airsofter close protection? Right. Probably, right? Well, you I, don't need to get a former, like you don't need special forces guys to teach that. Right. I think perhaps that might come down to the uh, the marketing side of it if you, if you kind of marketed it as in the future, we're going to have a close protection detail. There's this person that's going to teach you what we need you to know instead of like if Airsoft or CO, there's a person doing a course at that the word course kind of makes it a little bit more seem a little bit more of a, like a legitimate thing. Whereas if you kind mm-hmm. of, if you said more, we need you to know these things that this person knows, come do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you're, you're touching upon, a structure that a couple of the guys have kind of pushed for, which is a, a training component, um, a practice slash, you know, FTX, field yeah. training exercise component, and then the mission component as sort of three different layers. Yeah. And that training component could be something as simple as have someone with experience teach you how to do comms versus let's get a Canadian, like, can comm guy to teach you comms. Right. right? And, and that- really, yeah. Yeah, I think it really all comes down to of what your what your objective at the end of it is is cuz like I would love to go to a training course that's course by or like taught by a professional and obviously though some of us are in different financial situations than others kind of thing and it just it seems more badass and cool to do a legitimate course but there are players out there that you know, they want to come play your games, they want to learn the stuff, but they don't want to spend the money for it. But then, if, like you said, if you try and do the same course with someone that's not a professional in that field, people are just like, oh, like, why the fuck would I pay for that anyways? So It's, it's- funny. I, I've had a couple conversations, uh, maybe three, three or four different training organizations now, legitimate ones that offer training for police and military. And the conversation 
always kind of goes the same way, which is I can teach this, but if guys do not have basic weapons handling skills, we're going to spend most of our time on how to not just right. shoot the buddy in front of you, right? And you lose some of the value. I think airsofters are typically like, yeah, I want to pay for a course, and I want to go and learn close protection, and it's done. It's like, okay, but you don't know how iron, how iron sights work. So what is our, like, where do we start with you? Right. Uh, and so it's, there's a, cons- like, there's almost like a consu- desire to consume it, right? I want to have close protection skills. I want to say that I've been taught. But I also don't want to build on any of the foundational skills. So it is like a, if, if you want to do that, if you just want to consume it, um, I think you're going to have trouble finding a, a professional organization that yeah. wants to teach it uh, because they want to do a good job. Right. right? They, they want you to have, yeah. And they're going to want you to have those basics of those guts first. Whereas if you just want to learn close protection, we can probably teach you, but we're definitely not experts and we're all still learning and we'll equip you with the same skills we have. And that'll be about the same amount of skills that we had from our lessons. So that's, yeah, that's, that's the benefit of being the, the community and the concert, the consumer, we can kind of expect things out of you that might not be realistic. Um, but it puts you, Hey in man, a... <laughs> if I can offer it for 50 bucks and give people, you know, a can softcom guy to teach them room clearing. Sure. Yeah. I will, I will do that. But well, I, it, we're not there yet anyway. Yeah. Well, it, it definitely puts you in that situation where you, you're kind of damned if you do damned if you don't. Um, but from, from the outside looking in, I, I would kind of say your best bet is to try and offer the top of the line stuff to guys like with outside communities or outside professionals coming in. That's badass, And the people that actually are there to learn and there to pay for it are going to come out of that experience with the best thing they've experienced in their life. Right. Yeah. And we'll keep doing it. Right. It's just it's a it is a cost prohibitive exercise. Like I said, the close protection stuff was we only got, I think, 16 people through that course. Yeah. And you can think about all the airsofters in Ontario that might have wanted to learn that. Yeah. Um, and that was, I think, probably a lot to do with the fact that it was a two hundred and fifty dollar course. Right. Yeah. No, was, cost yeah. is always a, a definite um, barrier for a lot of people, uh, much like you said, like people spend ten thousand dollars on their helmet nod setup and then don't really want to you learn how to play it or use it i know i know a lot of players out there on the field that i i'm not overly concerned about the amount of technology they have on them because i know i can beat them in a gunfight with a flashlight yeah yeah we're te- you know airsoft is technically glorified dress up it is right? it's larp and which is fine and that's cool and i think where black line differs is is you can certainly give people the experience of breaching a door. You can put a board up and you can give someone bolt cutters and a circular saw and you can have them go to town. And they'll feel like they're doing something neat. And that's fine. That's, as far as I'm concerned, that is LARPing. Um, The problem is, for me, where Blackline wants to go, is that you have to be proficient at it because your entire team actually, like, it matters to them that you do it quickly and effectively and that the entire mission can go off the rails if you don't do it well. And so there's, there's a level of experience and difficulty and challenge there that goes beyond just having someone hand you a, a crowbar, right? Yeah. Well, and like how I could, speaking of like the whole 
LARP aspect of this. I, I assure you probably don't know this side of Nomad, but actually at one point in time we started up a legitimate LARP thing because all of us are big like Lord of the Rings nerds, like all that stuff, the, the whole team. And uh, that is, it doesn't surprise me, dude. There's a huge nexus between video games, tabletop oh, yeah. games, like that. The community is is built on those people. You'll yeah. find a lot of that common thread through there. Yeah, there was actually, yeah, and like it it took off like in the airsoft community, mainly like obviously only Niagara region or whatever. And um, it, there was like four or five of us that started up. All of our all of our girlfriends were into it too because there's like I feel like there's like a dating prerequisite on Nomad. It's like if you're a girl and you're coming into this group, you also have to just take on everything that we do. There's no choice. <laughs> and uh, so we started up this, like, LARP group, and it was just, like, the boys and the team, and then we decided we'd, like, let everyone else in Niagara or whatever if they wanted to come in. And then they didn't want to play full contact LARP. They just wanted to play pretend stuff, and all the boys just wanted to put in mouth guards and beat the shit out of each other with fake swords. And yeah. so when it comes to, like, the LARP aspect of it, I feel like normal Ontario Milsim is LARP. That's all it is. It, it's the rule of cool. And then you've got this, like, closer to real, like, the, like, if, I don't know, if you're the kind of person that, like, sits at home and watches YouTube videos on how to, like, clear rooms and do cool shit and that makes your dick hard, you should look into Blackline right now yeah i'd prefer if you didn't if you didn't come with the erection but that's well, fine yeah okay so that's a rule i didn't <laughs> know about and now i am uh now i'm kind of stepping back a little bit you lost a customer yeah. i'm sorry <laughs> sorry about so but moving forward from that one of the major uh i guess community rules that you guys have that i don't quite understand is there's no team signups when they go to events for Blackline. Why, why is that? I get this question every time I run an event. Um, so the Blackline is based on, on expectations being aligned and on people being there for the same reason. And the, the problem, problem, the problem with teams is that it's actually the same thing that makes them great. So you mentioned Nomad, like you guys outside of, of Airsoft, like hang out all the time, right? You're friends. We're be friends. Yeah, we're best friends. Right, right. And that is, that is perfect. That is a great foundation for a team because you know that you're there for each other, you'll back each other up, and you know, you're there to be as a group, right? You'll go drinking ahead of time, whatever. It's, it's a team thing. That's good. Um, the problem is, when you take a team and put them in Blackline, not all of them are there for Blackline. A bunch of them are there to be with their buddies. Right. Which is fine, again, but it actually doesn't work for Blackline. Because if you're there to be with your friends, and you're, you know, that the peer influencing starts to happen, and you want to go off and do a mission on your own because you and your buddies want to go do it. Okay, that's fine in a normal game, but in Blackline... You know, you were actually required to be here at this time to do this thing, and you decided to go do something else. Right. And that, that actually will ruin the entire mission. Like, whole teams, like, whole groups of people will fail because you did that, right? Um, and again, that the other piece being, so that's kind of the, 
the mission first mentality. The expectation piece is, is the second part in that, you know, I've come expecting to be with my friends. And if for any reason I get separated, I may actually not want to be here anymore. Mm-hmm. I just want to be with my buddies. Um, I expected time to hang out with them. I may not get that. And so it is easiest for us to take individuals to say, look, if you like what this sounds like, what this looks like, if this black line thing starts to you know, get your ears going, you should come on your own. And I don't think it works for two reasons. One, because we get people who, who come with that mindset and who then meet a bunch of other people with that same mindset. I think we've continued to build really strong relationships across communities that didn't exist before because these guys are all here for the same reason. And the other thing is, I don't think you should be punished. Like, you shouldn't be excluded from an event because you haven't found a group of people to be with yet. Right. right? You should just, if you are driven to put the mission first, you're willing to suffer through whatever it is that you need to do to make this happen for the good of the mission, like, I want you. I don't care if you have a team or not, right? Right. Oh, and that's, uh, it's funny you say about the best thing about teams being the worst thing about teams is because that actually 100% lines up with uh, my team's mentality on the Airsoft community. We we kind of broke into the market out of nowhere and we're that team that started showing up with kegs and, and hosting. Kazoos. Like, kazoos. Kegs and kazoos was our, our first major uh, event. Um, and the idea behind, like from the outside, it might look like, oh, like, what the fuck are these guys doing? But the reason we're showing up with enough beer for everyone is that we want everyone that's at that event to break out of that click of just hanging out with your own team and, or just being tan and just being green and all coming together over like a, a common enjoyment that we all have. Everyone likes having a beer, you know, a nice cold beer. And it was, we kind of looked at the community and we're like, no one else is doing this. Like, well, the, the actual conversation is like, what can we do that no one else is doing? And we're like, well, we'll bring enough beer for everyone. And uh, having everyone come out of their camps and all get together and make friendships that they might not have been in a position to make beforehand was, it, it was kind of like the, it was an amazing feeling. And Blackline creates this, higher up level of that where they take like only like-minded people and then say like you're not telling teams they can't sign up you're just saying you're not signed up as a team so yeah now people are forced to now get out of that clicky mentality and work with everybody what you and nomad do with beer i do with hard work yeah, those are the exact same things. I, I yeah, beer and hardware are the that, same. <laughs> I think what we're doing is we're saying instead of you know just you put it really well, right? You guys wanted to bring everybody together, get them out of their cliques, get out of the shells, and we'll offer them beer. And what we're doing is we're going to offer you a unique experience that's really hard and challenging, and it's going to force you to think and put the team first and the mission first. And if you can do that then you'll find a bunch of people here who think and operate the same way. And we are, we're, teams are forming out of black line, right? Exactly. Like yeah, people will that. go and it's like, oh, like, you know what? You, I like you. Like, let's work together. And, and they'll still, I mean, they're still going to be separated when they get there. Like, they can sign up independently and we'll put them on the team that we think they should be on. 
Um, but then they they get to meet new people that are that are really focused on the same things. Oh, exactly. And like I, as like the time I spent as commander, um, I've noticed the teams that come out of Blackline events have a better skill set and mentality towards the sport as a whole. Excuse me. Um, and like. I, I've heard so many great stories of people I've met in Black Line and come out and now they're they're playing other milsims because as great as you guys are, you can't host events every other weekend. So eventually those players have to play other different games. And it's just it's great seeing those players that are doing this super intense thing and then learning at like legitimately learning skill sets, transfer it into a different environment and, and just like prospering through it huge yeah if we can if we can build a better player that that can take that skill set and that mentality out to other events then we're we're probably doing the right thing well that's a great segue for another beer <laughs> um moving on from the the kind of team mentality of that what what do you think really makes a good team member i've asked i have a really great group of people that come to blackline that are that are at a lot of events and i rely upon them to help me answer these questions and i think when i've asked this question the response is usually that they are they are someone who is really going to put the mission and their team the group of people they're with above any personal enjoyment, right? So they are really putting the mission first and the team first. They are people that have totally dropped ego, right? Everyone comes into Blackline. Uh, I don't care what your background was. I don't care how many airsoft games you've done. I don't care what kind of training you said you've had. Like, you're new. And you are okay with that, and you don't try and push that on anybody. You're like, nope, I'm new. This is new to me. I'm okay being the new guy. Um, we get a lot of people who are like, I've got X amount of training of this and X amount of training of this, and I'm like, I actually don't care. It's, it's good that you've got it, but your training specifically is less important to me than your ability to help your team with that training, right? Can you help them do tasks? Can you teach them to do things? Um, so there are people, you know, one of those other traits is that ability to, to teach others and definitely be humble and willing to learn yourself, except that you actually don't know what's going on and absorb everything you need to to pick up um there is one more thing and i'm trying to remember what it is there's no ego you're willing to learn oh right it's look for work oh so, i've heard I, that, look that, for work from so many black line guys is that like a motto you guys all tell each other no but it's a it's a pretty fundamental concept it's, so it's, it's amazing so if you don't know familiar what it is, basically the, the idea is that you should have an understanding of the kinds of things that need to be done. You should look around, and if you see one of those things is not being done, you should do it. Yep. And this extends, you know, it's as simple as I'm at an event and there's a piece of trash on the ground. I know it doesn't go there. It should be in the bin. And I'll pick it up and put it in the garbage. Like, that's looking for work. Uh, I see a buddy over there who is trying to get his cot set up. I'm going to go help him because I'm not doing anything, I'm literally sitting here, and he is working, so I will go help him. I've found work to do. And that mentality, that mentality extends from simple activities like that 
all the way out to I'm on patrol, we stopped, we have to put up a 360, which direction is not being covered? This one, okay, I'll cover this one, right? That mentality, that, that uh, look for work concept is a very simple thing to say, but it requires a specific kind of person that can absorb that and use it really quickly. Yeah, exactly, and the the mindset that you guys kind of welcome onto your events are are all things that transfer very easily into real life scenario. Like, look for work is something that will benefit you in every aspect of your life, whether it be personal or or like work related. Like these things transfer very easily. If you've ever worked retail in your life, you have understood look for work. And if you have always had to been told by your manager what to go do, and you've never taken the initiative to find something to do, then you don't look for work, right? Yeah, People sure. who are like, oh, you know what? The floor is dirty. I'm going to sweep the floor. That's looking for work. Yeah, I've been, uh, so I've never worked in retail myself. I don't, I don't think it would be a, uh, a workplace I'd be well suited for, <laughs> but, uh, I've, I've always been a construction guy myself or, or utilities or some sort of thing like that. And the idea behind it was if you choose not to do something, you're then putting more work onto someone else. Yeah. That's and, a really good way of putting it. Right. Yeah. And, and so the, the, the ideals behind it is, well, realistically in the actual workplace, the ideals behind it is you don't want to be that dick bag that's making someone do more work. But the, the mindset behind it should be, I want to be that person that isn't, you know, being a detriment to my team, my, you know, so we can all achieve one purpose. So that's, that's something that came out of a, an article that one of our guys wrote a couple of years ago. And it was the concept of, it's not just about knowing how to shoot or uh, having the, the best gear for the, the job. It's literally, am I like in good enough shape to do this, right? Mm -hmm. Like am I, and I don't, I'm not huge on pushing fitness as a thing, but you should be able to do something. If we're asking you to run across yeah. the field, like realize that your team is going to have to slow down for you. And that's intimidating. That's scary to know that you're holding them back. Yeah. But, but, but this is what's I think sets a black line person apart. They are always looking for ways to get better. So we, we just, sometimes we just do hikes, you know, I mean, you guys, you guys yep. probably go for hikes too. Yep. And guys are always looking to fine tune their kit or, you know, I noticed my knee gets sore action at a time. I should work on that because the end result of me not having that skill set or that capability is a possible detriment to the mission of the team. Right. And they don't want to, they don't want to feel that way. That was actually, um, it is something that I'm, trying to find a way to work it in uh i really want to do a podcast simply based on the importance of fitness in airsoft obviously it's way more important in like black line events and stuff like that but i'm trying to find a way to generalize it i guess i will put you in touch with a guy actually two guys that will be able to help you yeah that, well amazing I, I look forward to hearing from that i was i was going to reach out to uh i have a I, this this uh vanilla pudding shaped body might not let everyone know but i have a dietitian myself and um <laughs> he's my buddy curtis he's a great dude and i was i'm kind of going through the steps of finding out maybe like workouts that he does that might directly like affect airsoft like between getting down on a knee to shoot a rifle and stuff like that so i'm finding a way to make that work but uh 
obviously it's not there. That might have been a previous podcast. I want to I want to make sure that that people don't think you have to be super physically fit to do black line because we have we have tasks that don't require you to move. Right. We've we've got tactical operations center where you're literally in charge of comms and a computer and documenting and managing and mapping and like you don't you don't need to be fast or strong and that role is still really important because we we leverage a ton of different skill sets for events so there's always an opportunity and yeah. we've we've always said too you know the, the right mentality is the kind of guy that yeah like I've I've busted my knee out there like I'm I think I sprained my knee or my ankle or whatever like what else can I do for you like if that's the kind of thing that you're saying you're the right correct right person for Blackline yeah. if you're worried you're going to bring the team down you're actually the right person well you, gotta, you just don't know it yet you gotta you know know your strengths and accept your weaknesses yeah but uh, moving forward from that that was an amazing conversation about what makes the good team member, especially that finishing off on that line was great, but you currently have an event going on this weekend and in the future. What are you allowed to tell us about a uh, certain aperture? So certain aperture is essentially a hostage rescue mission. Um, we have a venue, we have a hostage um, and and the entire mission is being built from the ground up using a bunch of other missions. So, for example, right now, uh, the teams that are, are planning do not actually know the location of this. Okay. And they are uh, trying to figure that out. And this is, you know, we talked earlier about the, the, the envelope with Intel written on it, right? Um, as being the intelligence. So last night, uh, last night a, a small team snuck into a hotel room of a target and planted surveillance equipment and did a search of the room for any sort of evidence that this individual may know where the site is. And they've come out with a bunch of video, they've come out with some photographs, and from that, that is how they will piece together where this event is. Nope. So they, this is a, if they don't figure it out, they will, will not have an opportunity to do any advanced planning. And that will be a serious, serious hit to them. So, just kind of like on that statement, it's something I actually uh, brought up at the very start of the podcast. How... The fuck do you say that exact statement of a team went into a hotel room and planned a surveillance and then not also follow that with it's the most badass thing you've ever done in Airsoft? Uh, <laughs> so, I don't... Uh, <laughs> what? Uh, okay. So, I can see... Okay, I can see your point. Um, I guess I'm getting, I'm getting used to it. And it's not... It's not, it's not me the events are for, right? So uh, we did, there was a couple guys that posted on Instagram and we, we kind of added them to our stories um, because they were the teams that went in. And from their perspective, yeah, that was a really amazing thing they did. And they feel really impressed that they were able to accomplish it. Because I should probably point out that we didn't just have them go into the hotel room. The guy was in the hotel room 10 minutes before yep. and he left the hotel room 
And there was another team outside that had to make sure they followed him and kept eyes on him so they knew he wouldn't come back. And so while they were following him on comms, you can hear the reports of what intersections he's at and what he's wearing and where he's heading. The other team is in that room trying to accomplish all these tasks like before he gets back. Yeah. So, so, so when yes. you when you say about like uh, the stories or whatever, I'm also excuse me without uh, saying names, I'm I'm in contact with the the person that played the the target for that event and just seeing like the amount of just preparation and the, the coolness of someone even the person like playing a target i feel like my dogs are barking upstairs but i'm sure i'll be able to audio magic that out so if you're hearing this and not hearing them i was uh good at that um but uh just the amount of I don't even know the word for it, but just like being able to be like an NPC for an event and then feel that cool about it just is a reflection of how amazing these black line events actually are. I am often surprised at how enjoyable it is for the people that I'm just kind of having to manage as additional players, right? The NPCs. Yeah. Um, I think when we ran, we ran civic burden in 2017 and they were doing their best to, again, follow some targets through the city. And guys were calling up their girlfriends. Guys were calling up their friends. They're like, look, I need somebody that's never been seen before. You have to come down here. Yeah. I need to borrow you for a half hour or so so we can do this. It's, it's very interesting to me how regular people are really excited by this kind of stuff. So as when I first brought it up, uh, I had said two questions. One, how do you not say how badass it actually is part two is and i know it's the question everyone is wondering how do you get away with this stuff how is it set up that this can happen without being just ended by police right away well i called them for oh, one okay yeah like i last night we talked i talked to the police before we started and i talked to them after we were done um it's so if you think about what's legal and illegal, you are allowed to transport your airsoft gun into a place like TTAC when it existed or to an airsoft field, right? Yep. There's no, you know, it's in a case, it's in a box, in a bag, whatever. And so great, no problem. Um, and so what is, the, what is the difference between you doing that and you doing it in a less obvious bag to a different venue, right? Yep. Um, in the case of the event last night, what are you what are you really doing? Like you really just have you have a hotel room and you have you know access to that hotel room and you have guys following other guys. Like there's nothing you say get away with it. It's just nothing. Nothing. There's secret. nothing directly illegal about it. But I, I mean, especially pertaining to last night's event, did you contact the hotel and be like? Yeah, there's a chance after this guy leaves the hotel room that a group of other men will enter that hotel room, or like, how how does that communication work? Well, it's my hotel room, and I had friends up. Okay, that's yeah. so. I mean, from from a legal, I mean, there's so if you think about it, you're not really doing anything that's questionable. You're just doing things that normal people would do. Exactly. But you put it a substantial enough and a good enough storyline behind it that it for the people participating it feels very very different 
well, and realistically from the idea of the mission and the storyline is if there's people witnessing that your guys are going into the hotel room, they've kind of failed their objective. Yeah. Like if you, if he's there and you walk in, that's probably mission fail. If he comes back while you're there, that's a mission fail, right? <laughs> oh, we're just here cleaning. So you joke, but that's like that's the that's the kind of things these guys think about. I'm always impressed by by how really detailed and how really creative these people are. So there were definitely questions about: Do we get a bunch of maintenance worker uniforms? That'd right? be awesome. Like, is that gonna? I mean, what is your? It's called cover for action in yep. espionage. Like, what is your purpose, right? And so that that discussion came up. Uh, when you read some of the rules the hotel has in place, they don't have people in the hotel room without your permission, so therefore they wouldn't send staff, it wouldn't have worked. So we just we just assumed that if they had stumbled upon, if, they, if he had come back while the team was in the room, that that was a mission fail. It would have been index. So you can't take uh, cleaning equipment because that's illegal, but you could be like, oh, I'm just here stealing all your shit. I'm a criminal. Goodbye. <laughs> I guess you could try that. I guess you could try that. So I mean, the other thing too is that the like if you if you think about it from a realistic perspective, and that's where I think that's really the only thing that's going on here is that if you walked in on a guy, or sorry, you came no. back to your hotel room, you're up to some nefarious shit, and you came back to your hotel room, and there's four dudes like going through your trash. Uh, there's going to be a an outcome weird. here for yeah. you, right? So either you're going to get arrested, or there's going to be problems for them. Yeah. And what is the follow-on impact for the event? If you right. think about the actual outcome, right? Like this guy that they were talking to about, you know, setting up this site for this hostage, he's suddenly missing. Yeah. So what is the, like, do they, are they just cool with that? Or is there an outcome for that? And so that's the sort of process by, by taking this information and, yeah. And like having logical follow-on effects for things. We do a lot of contrived things in Airsoft, but I try not to be contrived. Well, I, I kind of think like, like we had kind of said earlier about the gear barrier and stuff like that. I, well, like I personally know there's a lot of members in the community that don't know the legality of what, what actually goes on in um, black line events. Um, and I'm, sure. I'm realizing right now that I said the word legality. And I'm pretty sure that's a word. Is that a word? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, fucking awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I don't think the legality part is, is all like, what is it's intent, right? I think a lot of, so the law is intent. Lawyer, yeah. Yeah. Right. But it like, no one is intending to break into a hotel room yep. that they don't actually have access to. Right? No. And no one is intending to kidnap a dude off the street and like cause him harm, right? Yep. Like these things are all being staged in a way yep. that is is done uh, with consent, one, right? And also done in a way that is is not intended to raise alarm, right? Because you could actually, I think there's probably a, a law against us. Well, I know there's a it, law it against would, us throwing a guy in the back of the van corner, Young and Dundas, right? That's not going to go well. It'd be public mischief, right? Yeah, exactly. So you just you build things in a specific way that keeps people safe and you there's Michael alluded to this last time was on your conversation. The amount of safety stuff we have to go through just to make sure that things are legit and secure and just generally thought through all the various possible consequences. Have you ever read our waiver? So I had uh, actually the, the target last night, he read our waiver and he actually got scared. Right? Like 
it's a very detailed waiver that covers a lot of risks. If you fucking die, it's legitimate. not on us. <laughs> well, like, I oh, can't wow. control if you get hit by a car. <laughs> yeah. right? If you decide to run across the street, like, I, I tell you not to do that, but I can't stop you from right. running across the street. And if you do and get hit by a car, like, I'm, you have to know that I can't control that. And there's right. a bunch of things like that in our waiver, but you can, <laughs> you can read our waiver if you like. Well, and I think that's the thing that, like, the general airsoft public needs to look into a little bit. And hopefully hopefully a lot of people listening to this learn a lot more things about the Black Line events is the amount of safety you guys put into this these games, if you'll even call them that. Um, is that from the outside, it kind of looks like, like, how are these guys possibly getting away with this breaking into hotel rooms and doing all this stuff? But there's multiple different levels of safety put in place to make sure that everyone doing what they're doing is safe throughout it. And that is another reason when you guys host these prerequisite events, um, kind of shows like if, if a player's willing to go to a event that allows him to go to another event, he's probably not going to show up at the actual, like the, the show and, than be a dummy while he's there. Yeah. So there's a, one of the things I think Michael called out too, is those prerequisite events really weed out people who don't want to put in the work, who don't want to work hard. They just want to be there for the hand me a crowbar so I can break open a door. They aren't interested in doing it. Well, they aren't interested in putting in the hard work to make it happen. Um, the other thing is that, you know, we have a risk management plan. There's a like, if you want to, if you want to have insurance, if you want to be a legitimate organization, there's a lot of work that goes on in the background. Right. And I think that's probably a lot of my job. Is yeah, I come up with some cool stuff to do, but a lot of it's administrative, right? There was a little bit of technical uh, difficulty there. We lost Sean for a second, but we're back. Perfect segue into opening another beer. Um, it was actually a great time for technical difficulty because I had to uh, use the bathroom, but luckily we had a urinal installed downstairs in the man cave uh my girlfriend calls it the laundry tub so that's kind of weird but we're back we're here at talking sean again so moving forward i've actually i've lost quite a bit here uh last night with this event like what exactly happened at the the end of this you you've talked about this this killer idea of players breaking into a hotel room. What was what was the full outcome of that? Um, so we'll use the words covert entry because I think that's probably more accurate than breaking into. Yeah, I feel uh, like I'm using the wrong words there. <laughs> They're not. No, no, it's okay. I just want to be so that ever you know you asked about how the legality stuff. It's was. true. Yeah. No one broke into a hotel room last night, right? Um, so they again they were they were intending to go and gather information, right? So they managed to set up. We had. Uh, two, three covert video cameras they set up, um, a recording device, an audio recording device, and they managed to do all that. Um, and then they also searched the hotel room. So they've produced a bunch of pictures, which will get issued out to the world shortly. Um, but they've got pictures of the intelligence they found, of the stuff they located. Um, because part of the part of the key here is actually to make sure you put stuff back the way it was. You can't just take things, right? Um, because if you were to take the thing, then the guy knows you were there. Right. So that's 
like you have to actually just kind of be covert about all of it. But anyway, the whole intent is that they've gathered all this information, and I think I mentioned before they'll be they'll be looking over it to see if they can figure out where this this location is. Um, and so they'll have to make a case to me about why they have picked this location and why they think it is what it is. And then the next mission happens in two weeks where they're actually going to be sent on a, a legitimate reconnaissance mission. So they'll be, this is a new venue that's never been used before. So they are going to have to go and actually gather the information that they'll need to do the actual raid planning. So where is it? How do we get in? What is the, what's the ground like? What kind of buildings are on the site? What, how, where, what entries are there? What doors? What windows? What are they made out of? Like they're building now a list of priority intelligence requirements or PIRs to actually give this team to go in and gather all that information. And if they don't gather stuff, then they're going to lose the ability to know that when they actually go to do their raid. So it's all on them to figure out what needs to be done. Well, so you, you kind of said like periodically through this that the the actual mission is built from the ground up. Mm -hmm. Like, so what does this event mean for later missions and how are they all connected throughout the year? So um, remember that the actual mission is there is a hostage that has to be rescued. Um, you, I sent it to you, but I will be posting it again soon, is our intelligence brief. So this is where the mission starts. Here is some background on the various op four that exist. Here is the, the situation that happened, historical, political, all kinds of stuff. And from that, they're now determining how to get this guy back. So one of the first steps was we know this guy in downtown Toronto has a hotel room. We know that he, we think he's connected based on intelligence. So we should go and search his room. So that's a mission that spawned out of this one initial document. The reconnaissance mission that follows on, once you have a site, again, they'll have to go and do that. They have to come up with a mission to execute. Um, and then the actual rescue mission is going to be a, a weekend-long thing where we'll have all the teams that have done their training come together uh, and practice and rehearse and then you know actually execute this thing. But all the information that they could want about how many guys are on site and what do they do, what's their guard schedule look like, that has to come from them. They're not going to get it from vent control. So when I say built from ground up, it's literally they have to think far enough ahead about what they need to then give it to people early enough to go gather. Right. So it's a really complex, it's not easy. And these are, these are people that are really dedicated to, to the hard work that it takes to make this happen. And that's where I think a lot of the the reward comes for them. They're putting a lot of effort into this, and even though it's only one-off op, it ends really, you know, it'll end when it ends. Um, they've spent literally months working on it. Right. So, with this whole operation, like this this weekend and everything like that, you you said there's this hostage rescue mission, um, and obviously a group of NPCs. Um, it's a super video game term to call them, but uh, a group of people that would be holding this hostage somewhere at a certain point in time, and that's all been previously planned on what's going on, because obviously the, the people going into this hotel room had to find evidence for something in the future. Right. What, what would happen if the people this weekend didn't complete their mission and you already had a plan for someone to be held somewhere at a certain point in time and the players never found out where he was ever held. 
So the the benefit of having this mission, if they are successful, is that they will know well in advance of where the target is. So they can do things like plan and organize and think about how they're going to do stuff. Um, because this event will still happen, they will eventually get that location. But you can imagine being told, um, you know, four weeks out from an event, you're going to go do an event, go pack. And you can imagine how that differs from the, your panic and response if I said you have to go tomorrow. Right. Right? And, like, here's where it is. Good luck. So that's they've bought themselves a bunch of planning time and a bunch of opportunities to think about what kind of intelligence they want to gather. Right. Okay. So I was a little little privy to a little bit of the information going on in this event and I didn't really know how it would work if I didn't know if if they didn't find anything this weekend if they were just never told where the building was and the the hostage would just hang out for a weekend or how what the plan behind that was so that's and that that's another thing that's so amazing about your event because it creates two totally different dynamics of being a team ready to deploy and you either find out like set four weeks in advance and can plan can plan or you're a team that just found out right now you have to deploy and those are both super cool ideas so it is worth noting that when we ran hard majestic in seven 2017 um the way that we operated it was we said look you only have these three opportunities to find out where the location is. And if you fail, then you don't do it. And so I think, you know, no one, everyone was kind of laughing around and joking as we were starting this conversation. And as I, I leveled that, like the room got really quiet because everyone had come to do this raid. But then they realized that it actually won't happen unless they do a good job in advance. Right. I think that's, there's, that's hard to build a business on to be like, yeah, yeah, I promised you to do this thing. But also if you don't do it right, you don't get to go. Well, it's one of those things, right? You either, yeah, you got to play to the strengths and weaknesses of what you're trying to create. Like the, the players that want to be there for the full experience probably realize that half the experience is realizing that their mission won't happen because they fucked up. Yeah, there's a, again, there's a very small percentage of the population in Airsoft that are willing to accept an event may not happen because of a mistake they made. And that's, that's hard to digest for people, right? And, and knowing, too, that it may not even be me. Like, yeah. this team over here screwed up, and so now we don't get to do it. Well, I think at the, at the end of the day, it would be a matter of... Uh what people already paid for you know what i mean like if a, if a player already paid for an event in october but then a event in august made it so that didn't happen then like as long as as a host you're willing to be like oh, okay here's your money back like that might be different yeah there's there's some ways that i get around it but it's the tension comes from from knowing you're you're really only gonna get one chance at this and that legitimately you've put a ton of effort in, and your training and your practice have gone into this. And like you're, maybe you won't get to do it because sure. someone made a mistake. That's tough for people. It's, it's, but it is also, I think, what makes, what makes it really interesting for others. That, that's the thing. Is like you kinda, you're in a really hard spot of uh, 
do you do you push the hardcore side of it or be a little bit more lenient on it um so something we kind of touched on briefly earlier was the the roles of this event uh what what are some of the specific roles that go into an event and what does that even mean yeah so i think everyone's familiar with shooting um you need you know for a lot of airsoft events you need someone that can pull a trigger um but you know i think you're starting to see with the event we ran yesterday that there's a lot of other activity that happens building up to an event and there's a lot of um, various support activities that happen to make it work well so we have been extremely lucky that this attracts a very intelligent focused um, like innovative person and we've from that we've been able to do things like our tactical operations center Right? So we had an op where we had a guy who's never picked up an airsoft gun before, and he came with his computers, and he was recording every FRS, GMRS radio channel simultaneously as intelligence for us. Um, we have another guy who has um, like aerial mapping software, expensive aerial mapping software off a drone that can develop a 3D map of a target site. Right, um, these people are bringing their own skill sets to these events, and that's what's we're giving them an opportunity to use them, and they can see the value and the purpose behind what they're doing, and it really gets them engaged to do really interesting things. Mm-hmm. Like, it's hard to <laughs> you don't need to have a gun; you can provide a ton of value by running a radio, or by recording things, or mapping things. Like, that's I think some of the real power behind what we're doing is, is we're attracting these really interesting people who really want to solve complex problems. Uh, it's like you can really tell the effort that goes into the black line community. Cause it totally is as much as I know you hope and wish there isn't like a, a separation between the communities there's a huge separation between the black line community and the normal milsom community not necessarily meaning that black line members look down on other members or anything like a lot of black guy, black line guys are amazing fucking guys but there is this huge separation of the black line members having just legitimate skill sets and working together to achieve this common goal and it, it's this experience that is I love Ontario ML, so don't get me wrong, but we all have our same opinions about it. It's it's a little lackluster in certain ways. Um, but Blackline provides this experience that lets people kind of shine in a way that they would never get to experience in other Milsims. Um, I think as, the, the difference is hard work, yeah. right? Like, there's there's... I, you cannot count how many times someone's been like, oh man, wouldn't it be cool if we, and then complete the sentence with any cool piece of technology or, or uh, you know, newfangled gadget or anything. Um, the difference is the black line guys will say, wouldn't it be cool if, and then they go do it. No. Right? Like we, we have guys, we, we're working on, on drones and trying to use like everybody will you got tons of people that are bringing a drone to an event but unless you're really coordinating them and using them effectively they're just a drone 
Right. And I think that's the thing. These guys come together to think about the proper way to do things, the, the really effective way to do things, and they just want to put the effort in. And I think it's important to say that it doesn't matter if you don't have these skills. If you have the drive to do something for the mission, for the team, you're willing to put them first, and you're willing to to bring whatever skill sets you have, even if that's just pulling a trigger or running a radio or following a guy in the street. Like, that's a valuable skill set. We'll take you. Right. Well, and the other big thing for me, like being uh, like a, a well-known member of the militant community, stuff like that, is there's, for the large part, people that complain about Milsims are not members of Black Line or higher parts of anything. Like, there, I've never once heard a person that partakes in Black Line events complain about any other Milsim. I've only... Do you know what's Do you know what's wrong with Milsim? There's multiple things wrong with Milsim. You know what? what? I'm going to argue nothing. There's nothing wrong with Milsim. Well, I think, Milsim... I think it's a broad term at this point. Well, and this is that's actually part of the point is I think that Milsim is exactly what people need it to be. And any you know if it's turning flags at a foreigner person game or you know following a dude through the street, Milsim is what it is. And it I don't think there's so many ways to to play this game that I I really don't believe that there's a wrong way. I don't think that there's anything wrong with it. But I think that you have to find the community and the events that match what you want out of it. And that's, I think, what Blackline's doing. It's giving a place for people to go that want something that is not, it's just more serious and more interesting and more realistic. Well, exactly. And, like, when it comes to, like, obviously Ontario Milsim is a lot different than, like, you know, south of the border Milsim and stuff like that. And I, I feel like there's a lot of players that, come into the community and expect a whole lot more out of it because you, you hear the word military simulation and you, you kind of expect uh, a, an abundance of different cool shit but when it really breaks down what you end up doing is and for, it really doesn't matter the game you end up flipping flags and doing varying degrees of cool shit and there's a lot of players that come into the community and love it right away and then four or five years later start shitting on different milsims i'm a massive fan of nightfall every year nightfall is the biggest game in ontario it's amazing i'm incredibly close with all the guys from force recon but being a member who's been in Milsim for long enough i i i can see the point that a lot of players make of like oh it's it's the same shit every year blah 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 but it's like there's never a player that has tried to find something bigger and then it probably made their way to black line and done that cool shit. Those players don't complain. It's only the players that just stagnate and don't move on and then decide to complain about how Ontario Milsim is and then never do anything about it and just complain online instead of moving on to something phenomenal like you have going on. I think that you, you use the term expectation, and I think you know that was one of the things we talked about earlier in that you, what you expect out of the event has to be aligned with what the event is planning on providing. And I think if you went to um, you know, a four-hour milsim that has a barbecue in the middle, like 
there's an expect you can't you can't pitch that as an ultra run. Maybe you could. Yeah. Well, but I mean, there's a certain there's a certain expectation, right? I, I know think what you that mean. as long as yeah, for sure, right? Um, it you know is capturing flags military simulation. I don't know. The term's kind of broken, right? It's been used so broadly now that you can't calling something milsim yeah. is everything from a four hour thing with a barbecue to a four day you know dig a hole live in it kind of thing. Well, so and a, it's, a four hour just four hour operation could be. Milsim, depending on the, yeah. the subtext of it, right? You're right. We only ran that thing for two hours last night. I don't know if it's. I don't know if I call it Milsim. It's probably like espionage sim. Well, no, yeah, no, you, sim. You, I don't know. But you have this weird, amazing niche going on that I feel like no one, no one in the right mind can say anything negative about Blackline, especially no one that's been part of it. There's only uh, people that are outside of it that can say like, that doesn't seem legal. Don't. I mean. I know you keep putting me up there in this like operation, but we're not. Like, I think there's probably a lot of things that people don't like about it, and that's fine. I, I really think that you know, if you're planning on participating in something that you enjoy, you find that thing and you do it. And if that's speed soft, if that's you know barbecue airsoft, if it's whatever, it doesn't matter. And I, I don't think that we are a extreme organization. I think that. We're just offering something that isn't being offered and that people really dig. People really like it. So it's yeah. not it's not a, not better, not worse, just different. Just different. And, and that, it works for a bunch of people. It's actually, uh, it's amazing you say it that way about not being better or anything. It's just different. Because, like, personally, I am sponsored by a primarily Speedsoft <laughs> store. And I'm not a Speedsoft player at all. It's just I'm really good friends with a guy. He's also a member of Force Recon, uh, Speed Nation Combat Solutions. Amazing fucking guy, by the way. Um, and I'm also sponsored by Black Cell Promotions, who run four to f- at least four, three to four milsims a year. Uh, Muslim app PRZ, actually. Um, and it's like, so I'm sponsored by these two completely different levels of airsoft play. And then also trying to find a way to work the black line side of things in and really trying to get close with you, trying to get close with the community. And what a lot of players don't realize is like they come in and just like your no team sign up thing is like you find yourself in a niche and you don't really try and work outside of it. And they don't realize that Airsoft is such a broad sport. There's so many different layers of this game that you can find enjoyment out of. And a lot of them just assume that whatever they find enjoyment out of is whatever everyone else should find enjoyment out of. When there's... Like, i played a lot of sports. I've, most of them, in general. And I've never played a game that had so many different levels of enjoyment. And, and like players just need to realize that. Yeah, there is. And I said at the beginning of this conversation, like, there's no real wrong way to play this. But what's important is that you are playing the same game as the people around you. If you came, you came as a speed softer to a blackline event, you would be so fundamentally disappointed. I used to joke that the total number of rounds expended by blackline, like we could not get a BB sponsorship if we wanted one. Like, yeah, it's it's. I think the entire for two three years, I don't think we fired as a group collectively more than one bag of BBs. 
Yeah, no, I've heard that so many times, and it's hilarious. I think, uh, actually, with my conversation with Michael before, uh, I think he said he, like, has shot 14 BBs at an event, and correct me if I'm wrong, I'm, I'm sure there's, like, I'm sure all 12 of you guys listening will tell me that I'm wrong, but uh, <laughs> it's, like, it's really cool to think that your events are so oriented towards the the strategic side of it and the planning and the like if you have to shoot shit's gone wrong mentality yeah yeah that's a i think that's something that we all recognize is that you know shooting is actually like a bad, bad outcome <laughs> yeah no um, that's cool and like some of the some of the stuff you you've done uh, i know obviously not that you don't want to be cocky about it or anything like that like i can understand being like the host of something you don't want to be like yeah my shit's cool or whatever but from the outside and the community and i i really know i can speak for the community on this one is like what you've accomplished is amazing it's cool it's fucking badass thank you <laughs> like just just as someone from the community that's talked to lots of people about it there's no one out there being like Nah, black line's gay. No one says that. Everyone just says, "Ah, oh, you did black line. That's cool. I'm jealous. I want to do that." Yeah, it's there is there's no wrong way to airsoft. This is one way to play this game, and for some reason, I can get away with having an event where people don't shoot and they still want to come back and do more. And so, if that's something that that people would like to understand. Then I would say you should you should look at signing up. If that seems so incongruent to you to be like ah like I can't imagine how not shooting would be fun, but I'm interested about how not shooting would be fun, then you should come. I just really hope you have a hostage negotiation, Milsim, where I I can be the negotiator. I um. So I all. So let me give you a good example. When we did our close protection training. We talked, to the, the trainer was talking about how you can, you can mess up an entire operation by being mean to somebody. Oh, 100%. So, so his example was, you know, if you're, if you're trying to, dis, if you think about there being a warlord or a somebody and you're trying to discredit, like trying to take this individual down, sure, you can definitely send in a team to shoot him. Or you can manipulate his public interactions to make public opinion like lower about him yeah. and if you think about an airsoft game that operates in like a psychological warfare perspective that's where black line is that's where the kind of things people are considering to solve problems so when you say hostage negotiator yeah maybe there is a solution that involves talking and it will be up to you and the op for to figure out if that's going to work but there will always be a small team of men in the woods ready oh, uh, to solve a problem a different way. Absolutely, and that's same when you say when you wrote like the warlord side of thing and like the the public side of it. Um, recently, I commanded a game. Uh, it was called Operation Parabellum, hosted by Black Cell. And you, there's so many teams with black in it right now in airsoft. It's getting awfully it's very confusing. popular. It's getting I don't so understand. confusing. <laughs> But uh, Black Cell Promotions, um, an amazing spot. They've been actually on my back since uh, I started this whole thing, so that's been phenomenal for them. But they, they host these games that like allow for 
So where games like like Nightfall by Force Recon are like pretty standard, this is the experience you're going for. Uh, Black Soul has these games where like they won't tell players no. They'll just like if it's not in the rule set, they'll let players pretty much fuck with the rules as much as they want, as long as it's not ruining the game per se. And then they build the game past that. Um, and when the sign up happened with like the whole Warlord thing, it like you had said. It, it kind of turned into a little bit of a popularity contest because the other commander wasn't very well known in the, the Milsim community kind of thing. And so, like, obviously I was, and there was a lot of teams that signed up for me. And um, it was just kind of cool to see how the other commander reacted about it because they had, like, a lot of, like... Uh, it was, like, a, one of their teammates is, like, a computer guy, and they created all this sort of videos and pictures. Not, not to... Not, uh, what's the word? Not defaming. What's that word? Like propaganda sort of stuff? Yeah, yeah, kind of deframing. No, that sounds weird. Anyways, a propaganda all about me and stuff like that. And it was hilarious to see the community be like, yeah, yeah, we believe that. And I was like, fucking good, good strategy. I like that. But then when it moved into like the, uh, the like actual negotiation on the field kind of thing. The whole game was based around like John Wick, um, one of a, a good buddy of mine, uh, Adam Whitehall. He's he looks exactly like uh, Keanu Reeves, and he. I've seen the pictures. He's pretty close. It's pretty close. He's like a wish version of Keanu Reeves. And it was. It's, I don't know if he'll appreciate that, but that's. <laughs> no, we're, we're good buddies. We're both ambassadors of that, and like you got to have a gimmick, and his is pretty okay. spot on to what he could have. Um. But uh, we were doing like a hostage, or not a hostage negotiation, but a negotiation. He was shooting at me from the roof of PRZ, and he ends up, or I call him on my cell phone. I was like, if you stop shooting at me, you can give me 50 coins. He was like, do you know how to negotiate? And I was like, if you jump off the building, I will give you all my coins. He's like, you don't know how to negotiate, and hangs up. So I just really want to be on a black cell event and negotiate with a hostage. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> a little bit different. Uh, like I, the the black cell thing with the rules is familiar because we don't. I think our rules are maybe one page. There's a couple weapons restrictions and stuff, but we just it's designed specifically so that we operate on three principles, like a safety, respect, spirit of the game thing, and awesome. it. It provides uh, flexibility and latitude because if you have to write down everything you are and are not allowed to do, um, a no one will read them, and b you will you will constrain people's imagination. So it's important to to build a structure that is that allows that kind of flexibility to allow the creative thinking, and that's why we've had um, like why we've had guys try and bring drones. I yep. know there's no, like, is it safe? Yes. Are we respecting people? Yes. Is it fear to the game? Mm-hmm. Okay, well, then let's see what happens. Well, and, you know, that's a, hearing that, I've never heard your the, the three principle, like, safety, respect, spirit of the game before, but, like, hearing that makes you really think that, or, or maybe really appreciate what you guys have because you have such a good group of people because those three principles could be easily broken by the general public and, and arguably something not that a normal Milsim host could do. 
but I think you you just need to find the right people. Yeah, but like allowing the general public to sign up for games and do whatever is there's going to be people that read that and think how can I abuse that? How can I manipulate that to my own thing instead of how well this the same mentality of like how can I abuse that but still be spirit of the game growing what we are trying to accomplish here but not ruining the game for other people so i think it's important for me to explain it a little bit so safety is pretty self-explanatory don't do anything that's unsafe don't do anything if you see things unsafe happening stop them yep um and that's there's some obvious things like taking off your goggles or you know attempting to drive your car and run some over that's kind of safe stuff um respect is where it gets more complicated because we you know, pre-covid we allowed full body searches right so as long as the participant was consenting that guy can get naked like oh, if nice. he's okay with you taking his pants off then it will happen if that's where his intelligence is they'll like go for that. it well and just it's and there's a like the respect pieces you know you're respecting people's rights and people's yeah. right to say no and their comfort zone and there's a bunch of it takes you're right that it takes a certain kind of person to to mentally process that but the spirit of the game piece is literally written like do not use safety or respect to gain an advantage oh, okay. and so if you decide that you want to repel from the roof but your training does not allow that or you have not you know gone through the various motions that make that happen you're violating safety to gain an advantage. Or the other example we use, I often use when our briefings is like you can't take a piece of important intelligence and then hide it behind your goggles. So they can't take right. your goggles off so you can't get the intelligence. Like that's, yeah. that is a fundamental violation of spirit of the game. Um, and so when you talk about gaining an advantage, you know, finding a way to get around it, like that is, you would be violating the third principle. Right. So... Well, that's uh, those three principles are actually like fundamentally amazing. It it covers everything. It covers rule set and just general personality plus everything. It does. It does require like it requires a certain level of maturity, right? But it does. It does work. It's worked for us so far. Uh, We have had guys down to their boxer shorts in the woods, like. And that's when the consent part kicked in, so we stopped. But, I mean, this is, it is, it's important for uh, immersion, and there's been other things that we can't talk about. But there's yeah. definitely a part, for, like, for immersion and for realism, it is important to just understand those boundaries and what's, what we can do with them. It's on the website. We, all of our stuff's posted publicly, so if people are into that, you can find blacklinesimulations.com and read about our rules. And I definitely suggest that anybody listening to this up to this point, if you listened this far, you know you want to go check out that website, get involved. It, it's a phenomenal experience that I'm working my way into being part of. Uh, obviously, I'm a very, very busy man, especially this year with COVID pushing everything. Like It's like they took the first half of the year and they're like, do all that shit, but now all your other shit in the second half of the year. So that's been kind of aggressive. But, I try not to jam, like, it's, I think every year South Vincent County the same problem. Like, we didn't, we, we can't front load the year, so now we're in the back end of the year, and you're trying not to step on other organizations' toes, but it's almost impossible. So you just got to own what you're doing, and you'll attract the people that, that are right for what you're doing. Yeah, it's, it's 
this year's been ridiculous because on top of Milsim's, uh, Nomad as so Nomad as a whole, we're all at relatively the same age group, and we're at that age group where everyone's getting married. Uh, so mm-hmm. we're like having multiple weddings on top of trying to do Milsim's and everything, and it's just, it's getting chaotic. But uh, but after this year, we should be fine. Um, but so we were just talking about the your three principles. Uh, your, your safety, respect, spirit of the game. And not to put you on the spot, but it's been something that I've kind of been bringing into the show a little bit. Uh, so you've listened before, you you understand the, the idea of the great fucking guy of the week, Sean? Uh, refresh my memory. Well, it's it's right there in the title, great fucking guy. Is that, it's self-explanatory? Self-explanatory. Someone was in the community who is someone that you think is... Uh, expresses all the ideals of Black Line and is just a great fucking guy. And I'll tell you if it's someone that's already been picked because there's a couple people in the Black Line community that have already been picked because I love those guys and I love all you. But I've been throwing on the guests lately, so it's on you. And whoever he picks, please contact me because I have a little bit of a package for you. Sean, who do you pick and why? Redacted. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> what do I do That's, with that? <laughs> it's a very appropriate black light answer. That's very appropriate. Okay. Well. Shit. <laughs> I accept that. <laughs> Sorry, buddy. Yeah, no, that's fair. I don't know why I didn't expect that. <laughs> well, I don't really... Alright, let me... I'm gonna pick someone. Uh... <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> I don't really know what to do with that. I don't know why I didn't expect that. That's amazing. I'm not going to tell anybody, everyone that they don't get a prize this week. So uh, I'll pick someone within the Black Line community. We're going to give it to uh, Mike Deschamps, actually. That guy was, has been amazing since the entirety of Nomad has been a huge, not, not necessarily member, but uh, been around the team, played many games with us. Uh, great buddies with Tony, the original great fucking guy. Um, I can't give him an award again, but I would if I could. I give him an award every week if I could. But Chomps uh, this weekend at Nightfall was just, just a hoot. Just a great guy, great mentality, great attitude. Uh, pretty hot sister. So... <laughs> Mike Deschamps, go ahead and contact me. You got uh, you got um, the uh, great fucking guy of the week. There you go, buddy. Thank you very much for coming on, Sean. I was not expecting that uh, that redacted, very clever uh, black line answer. But um, anything in closing you'd like to say about your events coming up or anything like that? Um, I think that people, if if they've listened to this podcast and the idea of, of putting themselves out there, meeting new people, legitimately putting all of these people you just met ahead of yourself, leaving your ego at home, looking for work, like if all of this stuff starts to resonate with you, I don't care what you have, I don't care what gear you own, you should, you should get in touch. Well, I totally agree with that. I hope anybody listening to this that has felt a little... I don't know, maybe not scared, but a little standoffish towards the idea of joining. Uh, go out of your way to maybe approach Sean. I'll be making sure to put all the links in the bio down below. Just just do it is all I can say. And I know I'm a, 
I'm a horrible uh, advocate of that because I have not officially yet. But uh, learn from my mistakes and and just go for it. Um, Sean and all the guys there at uh, Blackline have been creating amazing experiences for people. I, but arguably, things you couldn't even call games. They're they're more experiences. And um, really hope to in the future see all of you out there with me because uh, I plan to become part of this in the near future. But uh, ending it off, Sean. Thank you very much for coming on again. Good chat, man. Thanks. Hey, you have a great fucking day. Thanks, buddy. You too.